Welcome to the Bridge Church Podcast. Our purpose statement at Bridge Church is to reach people where they are and help them grow. We hope today's message inspires you towards growth, and we pray it's life-changing, and we hope to see you soon. Let's look to the Lord. Father, we thank you today that we have the opportunity to worship you in spirit and in truth. We thank you, Father, that as we sang about how you steward the world, how you hold it in your hand, Father, right now there is people, there are people in this room that have come in here with burdens, confusion, worry, doubt, and anxiety. And God, today we are reminded that as you sit seated on a throne, nothing has gotten past you. Nothing has been forgotten. All has been foreseen. And so we look at your posture to teach us what our posture should be like. You are rested on the throne. You're not scratching your head. You're not walking around wondering. You're rested on the throne. So it is in that posture that we rest in you. We come in here this afternoon seeking your face, seeking your word. We ask, God, that we would hear from you, that you would delight us with your presence, God, that we're honored that you would speak to us through your word. And now, God, teach us your ways. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen? Amen. Well, we're continuing on in our series, and it's really been interesting. Um, We ended up having a marriage conference this past weekend. It was a wonderful time. Praise God for those of you that were able to come out to that. But we're continuing on in this series, and last week as I was talking to you about issues in your family, uh, we were talking about tension, right? And one of the things that I mentioned was there have been tensions in your family, in your life, right? Tension that arose, and there was a response to it. When those tensions arose, Maybe your mother and father got together and they had a nice conversation and they said, well, honey, you know, let's just talk about it. And they hugged it out. But for the most part, many of you acknowledged, no, there was either they were blowing up or it was really quiet and they said nothing. The truth of the matter is the reason why you felt that impact as I spoke is because you got used to it. It was what you always saw. It was always said and always done. And whenever there's something that becomes normalized in a home or a society, it ends up being a culture, a way of living. Oh, you know what mom's going to say. You know what dad's going to say. It was the culture of your home that you had become adjusted to. And culture becomes cultivated by what you say and what you do and what becomes normal. It's interesting. It's so easy in a relationship to intend on doing something, wanting to do something, meaning to do something, as opposed to being intentional about doing something. 
There's been so many text messages you've meant to send. I can't tell you how many times I intended on texting someone and I wrote the text out and I didn't hit send. And in my heart, I knew I texted them, but I didn't. There are things that I've wanted to do, but didn't do. And in every relationship, there is a gap between intentions and actions. I was going to do it, but I got distracted. I was thinking about doing that, but life got complicated. I was planning on doing that later on today, but just didn't get to it. You've done that, haven't you? Meant to do something, but you didn't do it. And when that happened, how did you feel? Well, you said, well, you know, I, I'll do better next time. I'll get it right. But it's funny because we tend to judge ourselves by our intentions, but other people by their actions. Isn't it interesting how we do that? You get you, give you bonus points because you wanted to do it. But it's a strike against them when they don't do it. And that's the way we are in the human condition. We need to create an intentional culture. It can't be what we intend on doing. It's got to be intentional. And if you want to create a home that is going to be vibrant, if you want to create a life that is vibrant, you must be intentional with the words you say and the things you do for people. You see, people long to be appreciated. They long to be seen. And we want to create a culture of saying loving things and doing loving things. And you reduce the tension in a home by being intentional about honor and appreciation. And if I could just say this, not just in a home for married people, that's in your life. When you're intentional. You know, I was, I told you a while back, I was talking to a group of people on a retreat and all the guys, uh, it was a retreat for a Princeton University. Very smart people. And they, they were like, you know, basically guys were like, how, you know, how do you talk to a, to a woman? And I was like, you talk. I mean, I was, what, do I, what do you say? But they didn't know how to like approach the approach. And I was like, well, you know, you might want to compliment them. Say their hair looks nice. And, you know, so they, they were kind of trying it. And I was like, don't do that, dog. <laughs> and, they, and you know what I told them? If you create a habit of complimenting people, it won't seem like you have an agenda. It's just a part of what you do. You see, if you think something loving, say it. If you think that was good, tell them. There is encouragement bound up in you. Let it go. Let it out. There's, there's, there's loving words bound up in you. Let them know. Text it. Say it. Send a message. Remind them. 
Make the call. Tell them today. It's urgent. They need to know. Say it. You see, because what the Bible says in Proverbs 18 and 21, the tongue has the power of life and death. Some of you heard uh, in the other version, life and death is in the power of the tongue. And those who love it eat its fruit. It's not enough to not say bad things. We need encouraging words. And, and I wonder if you would even take that on as a spiritual challenge in your life. That you would be a master encourager. That you would consistently create the kind of lifestyle that people can count on you to speak a word over them of positive things about them. Because when you do that enough, it becomes a character. And people know you for that. Then they gravitate to you because they know you will say things to them in their life that will build them up. I'm challenging you to do that as a lifestyle. I'm challenging you husbands to do that as a lifestyle. I'm challenging you wives to do that as a lifestyle. You're robbing people of good thoughts about themselves. You are making them impoverished by the treasure of words you have. In your voice, in your heart, in your thoughts, in your mind, God gave that to you to be generous, not just to be thoughtful. To give it to them, not just to ponder it. Dr. John Gottman, I shared this this past weekend. Dr. John Gottman says, there's a five to one ratio of positive things said to negative things said in a thriving relationship. What that means is if you say something negative to somebody, they need to hear something positive five times over in order to heal. That tells us that we gravitate to the negative. That, that we have a tendency to think about the negative things about us. And you've done that, haven't you? You've done something, you gave a talk, you put something together, and one person, one, a thousand people said, great. One person said, it was I. And you're like, dag, I, oh, that's, so it was just I. We tend to gravitate to that. And the truth be told, many of us are carrying a past. Many of us are carrying doubts. Many of us are carrying discouragement, like a weight on us, and the life in the tongue sets us free. In the book we've been looking in, the Song of Solomon, we see that the young lady here has a past. She has a past where she has had, some, had a broken road. It says in Song of Solomon, chapter 1, verse 6, contextually to understand who this woman is, she says to the man she loves, don't gaze at me because I'm dark, because the sun has looked upon me. We said that essentially what that meant is at that time, if you worked outside, you were poor. If you had a tan, 
It was an indication in a, in a, in a Mediterranean society. It was an indication that you were impoverished. And so she's, she's saying, don't look at me. I've been working outside. And then she says, why? She says, my, my mother's sons were angry with me. Notice she didn't say brothers. She said mother's sons. Also in this book, you never hear her say the word father. She carries this along with her. She says, they made me the keeper of the vineyards. And she's going to make a play on words. I was forced to work outside my whole life. My mother's sons, I didn't have a family to work with me. And then she says, I was forced to work outside to be the keeper of the vineyard. I had to manage this space. She said, but my own vineyard I haven't kept. And she's making a play on words. I've been working my whole life in the vineyard. And the vineyard she talks about in terms of not keeping is her body. She says, my own vineyard I haven't kept. She's telling the man, don't gaze at me. I don't feel beautiful. And what's interesting is that for us, there's this, there are these words that you carry within you, doubts that you carry within you that you're not smart enough, that you don't look good enough, that you're too big or you're too small. That you're too young or that you're too old. There's things that you carry in you from your past, a weight. And this is essentially what she has. And it's like the running program in our minds. And when someone encourages you, it's like you interrupt regularly programmed things. You disrupt what you naturally do in the negative spaces in your heart. And so what, what Solomon, we believe this is Solomon, says in chapter 7, verse 1, and if you've been tracking with us, this is what he's been doing the entire time. He says, watch this. He says, how beautiful are your feet in sandals. O noble daughter. Now, reminder, she just said she's uncomfortable about her body, most likely about her weight. He says, your rounded thighs are like jewels. Amen? The work, the work of a master's, a master hand. Your navel is a rounded bowl that never lacks mixed wine. Come on now. It's PG-13 today. Your belly is a heap of wheat encircled with lilies. Listen. He has talked about every space of insecurity and he's made an analogy to something valuable. He says, he basically told her your belly is like this heap of wheat. But what he's essentially saying is wheat at that time would be extremely valuable. Girl, I love your belly. It's my treasure. He said, you've been sculpted, even though you don't feel like you kept yourself. He blesses her insecurities 
and weaknesses by speaking confidence into them. When you see weakness in someone, I believe that's now a stewardship for you. Let me say that a different way. Sometimes we see things in one another, right? We notice that this person is not as confident as they seem. We notice this person is not as strong as we thought. And oftentimes, we have a natural tendency to make that just a, a mark against them as opposed to a calling to build confidence in their life. And what he did here was he noticed that she doesn't feel good about the way she looks. And he spent time thinking about how can I encourage her? And that made her feel valuable and made her feel worth. And to be a master complimenter, you have to take time thinking about the compliment. Because we sure do take time thinking about the criticism, don't we? Oh yeah, we real specific with criticism, aren't we? Yeah. They were late. And you're going to tell them when they was late. How many times this month? Yeah. Because we have that tendency. We were saying during the, um, during the marriage conference, um, I have domestic struggles, amen? Uh, the dishes are a challenge for me, amen? As I was saying this to this room full of husbands and wives, the wives were like, mm, I'll tell you, boy. I'll tell you, boy. Get your life, right? They were so frustrated with me. And it's a struggle. I just forget. I'll be tired. Not a good excuse. I understand. <laughs> I understand. We were talking and um, we were saying, you know, if my wife, if she says, hey, are you going to do the dishes today? And I go, I'm going to try to get to it. She's going to be like, Tuesday. You going to do the dishes today? Babe, I got a thing. Right. Wednesday comes. I come home. I'm in front of those dishes, boy. Dishpan hands. Yeah. Soap. Bubbles. All that. Drying everything. Putting it all up. I clean the microwave. Amen. Yeah. The stove. I sweep. I mop. Hallelujah. I clean it all. I do all the things. When my wife comes home, what I don't want to hear is, oh, okay, look, look at you. Good job. Mm. Oh, that's what I don't want to hear. Oh, no, 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 no. I want you to come home, smack me in my butt, and be like, do those dishes, boy. I see you with those dishes. Yeah. Oh, look at that microwave. I see you with the microwave. I want to hear all that. You want to know why? You want to know why? Keep the same energy you had when you criticized. Keep the same energy. Because I kept the same doubts. And, and all it is is think about it. Think, and I, and that, that analogy is a real deal. Like my wife be like, look at you. So that's, that's real life. That's, you're getting a window into our world <clears throat> when I do the dishes. But anyway, 
But no, I, I'm, I'm saying you, a master complimenter thinks about what a person needs to hear. Is there somebody you know needs to hear something today? All you have to do is match their weaknesses with the words you could say. Their concerns with words you could craft. A text message that you could send it. And this would be powerful to them. It is with speaking life into people that it releases in us a freedom to see people fully. And I believe that when we extend grace to people, we, we end up having more grace for ourselves. We end up releasing ourselves from being so critical about ourselves. And I want you to go on a treasure hunt and look for good things to say about people and so that people would see in you the compliments they so long to hear. One last thing. I'm not just talking about weak people. I'm talking about strong people too. The people that get the least compliments are the people that do things with excellence often. They do things consistently. So you say, oh, all right, they, they, know. They, they know. They don't. And oftentimes, they're doing things out of excellence to work off an insecurity. And so just because someone does something well doesn't mean they feel well about themselves. Don't make it about how you feel about them. Make it about if they did something that blessed you, bless them. Bless them. Speak into their lives. And this then will lighten the load and the burden on them. Oh, this Solomon, he's a master complimenter. And this, he then sets a culture in the home. Look what he says to her. He says in chapter 7, verse 7 and 8, your stature is like a palm tree. Your breasts are like its clusters. I say, I will climb the palm tree and lay hold of its fruit. You don't need to be a theologian to know <laughs> what's happening in that text. He wants her. He wants her body. And this is what she says in verse 10. Listen. I am my beloved's and his desire is for me. He wants me. I cannot tell you how important it is that when you, in a home, when you compliment particularly your wife, it reminds her that you want her the same as when you first saw her. And so in response, she wants him back because she has been fueled by the words and the intentionality that he has given. She feels wanted. 
She feels seen. She feels pursued. She feels special. And that never ends. Can I tell you that as a husband, this is such a struggle. Because when I was pursuing my wife, all the level of intensity to my game, my God, (laughs) the creativity. I used to think about what I would say. I would think about date nights like deep thoughts. But then you get married for 10 years, 12 years, 14 years, 18 years. Like, you know me, baby, if you don't, if you don't know by now, sure, you know I love you, girl. And the truth is, is that especially because of kids and church, it became harder to have that dating energy. It became harder to pursue. I started to get fatigued. And my wife, you know, um, in leadership, they say vision leaks. So you got to repeat it. I believe in marriage, love leaks. Encouragement leaks. So you have to repeat it. You have to speak special words in order for a wife to feel loved and cared for. And so you can get into this habit of just working and doing things. My wife, she's a soldier. Yeah. Yeah, she's a soldier. She's down for the cause. We came, we planted a church together. We used to do Bible study back there where we do the backstage pass. We used to do Bible study, have a partition up. My wife had the kids over there. I'd have like three people in Bible study. She was such, she was so amazing. She sacrifices so much. And it's just, and over time, you start sacrificing things. And I learned over time, sometimes people keep sacrificing, but they start to lose themselves. They stop actually saying the things they really want. And my wife shared with me several years ago, it was a birthday, we, that birthday she had, and we were real busy. I was like, we busy, right? She was like, mm-hmm, we busy. I was like, we busy. Shoot, we ain't got time to do stuff. We busy. So we went, we stopped at like an IHOP, and we were like, yeah, I'm sorry. <laughs> Hold on, though. No. That's my wife's favorite restaurant, though. <laughs> nah, for real, for real. I, okay, so I know that sounded bad. But, 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 true, it's my wife's favorite restaurant, however bad that sounds. But yes, I was totally not being intentional. It was a last-minute thing. So we're like, happy birthday. My wife went to the bathroom. I started to cry. And I'm sitting there. And look, while we're singing happy birthday, she leaves. I'm like, happy birthday. It's okay, birthday to you. And we had a long conversation. And she just was honest. She's like, look, I'm I'm all all in. I'm all in. But I just want you to see me. Monday is my wife's birthday. 
hold on now, hold on now, hold on now. This weekend we had a marriage retreat. We was busy. Yeah. Tuesday, Tuesday we had a whole we had a whole conversation on sex and sexuality. Wow, that took up a lot of time. Yeah. Tuesday took up time. The weekend took up time. My wife said, don't worry about it. That's a lie. That's a lie. That's a lie. That ain't true. I learned. I was like, you got me before. You ain't gonna get me again. Boy, we came back from that retreat. We had balloons and cake and all types of stuff. I got her all these stretchy pants and other pants and <laughs> shoes. And I went out. I got it all. And I put work in. Yeah. And we go in the IHOP on Monday. You know what I'm saying? Because one of the things that's confusing for a woman is when she sees me put all this energy to the church, but she gets sloppy seconds. And there is a very good chance that for a pastor, ministry becomes your mistress. And so the reality is it's unintentional, but you just fall into it. I see you, but she doesn't feel seen. This is how men can fall into the trap of unintentionality. But women, I, I do want to encourage you in this. It has been my observation in counseling couples over the years, men do fall into that trap. They lose romance energy. But one of the things that my sisters have to be careful of when it comes to words is as men may lose romance energy, women can oftentimes fall into critical or word energy. In other words, a lot of words being thrown out there that bring down the, the home, that bring fatigue to the home. Now, every marriage is different. So just as I talked the other week about men being very sexual. Well, that doesn't have to be the case in every home. So in the same way, this doesn't have to be the case. But this is an observation that I've made in counseling. In fact, um, <clears throat> a uh, get the quote right now, brother. Um, Luann Brisdeen, author of The Female Brain, says, women speak on average 20,000 words a day versus 7,000 words for men. What this, and what this means, that's, obviously that's not a bad thing, but just women will verbalize things in ways that literally we'll be watching a detective show together and literally it'll be 10 minutes in and she'll be like, my wife will be like, why, why did he do that? I'm like, I don't know because I am 10 minutes into it as well. We're experiencing this together. But it's not like... I've realized my wife is not doing that to actually get an answer. She just has to say it. Like, it's just like, da-da-da. I'm like, do you want me to answer that? Oh, no, okay. And, and what I've realized is oftentimes when it comes to criticism, 
a lot of times men's criticisms, you could fill them, you could put it on like a fortune cookie. Like just women, a scroll. I mean, that thing just... <laughs> and what I've found is when it comes to words, women will want to verbalize things, which is, which is a good thing. But be often careful, Proverbs 21, 9 says, better to live on a corner of the roof than share a house with a quarrelsome woman. And the, the fact of the matter is, is I meet so many men who have checked out. They've isolated themselves, whether it's work, whether it's sports, but they don't talk anymore. Now, that's not necessarily just the woman's fault, but you just have to understand that's a natural tendency that we can have as sisters. And so what we want to do is we want to be cautious and we want to be slow to speak, quick to listen. Know how much one can take when it comes to being critical. Remember, five to one. Five positive things to one negative thing. Men, men especially definitely need to hear good things, just as our sisters do. We need to hear good things. I don't care how big and strong he is. He needs to hear good things about himself. He needs to hear good things about himself, okay? And so with that, let's clap for the brothers real quick. I was such a light. I was like... That was so wild. The women were like, yes! Yes, queen! Dudes need to hear good things about himself. That's true. That's true. That's facts. That's facts. The other thing that we want to do is not only what we say, what we do. If you want to do something special, do it. Don't leave life in could have and would have and maybe we can. Go do it purposeful time. It's, it's not just thinking you want to do something, but it's making it a priority, especially in a city like New York. New York is the only city where I feel comfortable when I get out of this place. I just literally have to get out. Like the minute I get into Jersey where I just don't even feel the energy anymore, and I just feel like my whole body is resting, just, just honestly, just getting out of this place. But sometimes we have quarantines. Sometimes life is hard. We can't always get away. So that means we have to be intentional about just doing things together in order to make each other feel special. Chapter 7, verse 11, <clears throat> says it this way, Come, my beloved, let us go into the fields and lodge in the villages. Notice how they say, She's saying to him, let's, let's go away into the field. Let's lodge. Let's stay for a while. When you go away, I, I've, I've noticed that sometimes couples can get into the habit of going on vacation, but then they fall into the same habits they had when they were at home. Going away is a part of being intentional. But as you go away, you want to discover them again. You want to learn each other again. You want to hear each other again. See each other again. It's through that intentionality that you end up falling into old conversations. 
that energy that you had when you were dating. You could talk, make each other feel special. You know, I, I mentioned this the other week. For those of you that are single, I, I, obviously we talked about, um, you know, remaining pure in your relationship and not having sex. But you know one of the wonderful things about not having sex when you're dating? It teaches you what marriage is really like. I mean, mar- I mean, like, okay, so what is sex? Sex can be 10 minutes, 20 minutes? Wait, what do you, what, like sometimes when I'm with couples, what do you want? You want three times a week, four times a week? What do you want? Okay, so altogether, the amount of time that you spend having sex at best three times a week is, what, 90 minutes? You've still got tons of hours with one another. You still have the person and their body. It would be good if you learned the person, not just their body. And so my encouragement to those of you that are dating or seeking to date, really learn the skill of discovery. It's intentionality. My wife ran track. She was great. Who, hey, honey, you know, who was, who, was, uh, who, who, who was the girl that, you know, you really was like, she was like your competition. Like when you got down there, you gave her that stare like, you know what I mean? Like, was there anybody like that? Like, who? who oh, Jay, stop. No, no, but tell me, tell me, tell me who, you know. The, 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 hey, but you, 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 honey, can you, still cross, can you still cross people? Yeah, you cross people up. Who was, who, tell me a time when you crossed somebody up in basketball, baby. Tell me, tell me, tell me. And all I'm doing is I'm working as hard as I did when I didn't have her. Because when I didn't have my wife, I had to learn her. And now I give that energy. And, and, our sister's the same thing. You, you give that energy to a guy to make him feel respected and cared for and discovered and heard. You go away and you learn each other again. She says, let us go out early to the vineyards and see whether the vines have budded, whether the grape blossoms have opened and the pomegranates are in bloom. There I will give you my love. She says to him, I'll be with you. I'll be intentional about what you want. You'll have my body and we'll be together. He blesses her with words. She blesses him with sex. There they are in this intimate relationship, going away, saying and doing things. And they built that life. You build your life. You build the culture of your home. You build the culture around you with the things you say and do. It won't just happen. You've got to make it happen. You've got to say it. You've got to do it. When you're not intentional, your relationships become transactional. Kids bills, problems. Kids, bills, problems. And the homes that you all came from, that's most likely the conversation. If your parents were together, that was a working guy. Kids, bills, problems, church. It's just transactional. 
and all of a sudden the person that you love becomes a partner in a project, not an intimate lover. And so you have to spend time. And so what do my wife and I do? Can we get away all the time? Nope. Can we go to the villages and the lodges? Nope. Can't afford it. We can't get away all the time. It's dope, but we can't do it. So you know what we have to do? We have to be intentional. So every Thursday at 4 o'clock, we have our date night. Yeah. And we go, we find a little restaurant, and we eat, and we laugh, and we talk. And then we come back, and we'll sit out on our stoop, and then we'll find, okay, let's try to find the next date night for next week. And that's how we end the night together. And what we found is if we don't do that, it'll just get washed away in the week. And we went years without getting that kind of time. Now, it helps that our kids are older, praise God. So that's, that hits different. <laughs> that hits a lot different. Because when the kids are really young, it's, it feels almost impossible. So then you got to wait till the kids go down. And then you just got to sit back. And you got to put that phone down. And you just got to look at each other. And maybe you know you're not out at a restaurant. No, you don't even call it date night. But you're looking at each other. You're getting knee-to-knee time, eye-to-eye time, heart-to-heart time. Honey, how are you? How is your day, really? And you're investigating their heart. And then she brings up old things. Hey, did that, that, how'd that project work for you? Oh, man, it's so challenging. And so when your kids are little, it's tough. But you got to be intentional. But then there are people with no kids in the home at all. But how many of you know just because you don't have kids don't mean you're not busy? And you can become two ships passing in the night, working on project after project. And then you jump on your phones and you're just in the home together, looking down, not looking at each other. You have to be intentional. But I say to you all in this room that are single, that you're not with someone or you're with someone. Being intentional about being a loving person is a spiritual battle. Because you will intend to send that text. You will intend to tap someone on the shoulder and tell them something. And things will get in the way. And I want you to fight to be an encourager today. I want you to fight to be intentional today. And what if our whole church had a culture of honor and appreciation? Where people from the back door to the front. Didn't Mark do a great job of worship today? Huh? See that guy back there, Joy? He's the one that lets people in. Isn't that awesome how he does that? Ooh, 
Rasul, he gives like a five-minute sermon beforehand. Didn't he do that, right? But you know, the Bible says not only to celebrate the eyes that we see, but the feet we don't see. Look at all the things Josh does in here. Give it up for Josh. All the things they set up. Oh man, but what about the people in the back like Dustin that does the video right there? And it's so funny that the person that does the sound doesn't make a sound. Mike Craig, he's all back there. And Mindy and Maxine doing the slides. Give it up for them. And I don't even know all these dudes' names. Praise God, just give it up for the whole band. Now, the same energy. Walk up to someone and say, hey, I saw that you did that. Not just them. Walk up to someone this week and then determine to make it a lifestyle. Lord, we love you. The Lord, we love you. And we tell you that because we mean it from our hearts. And so we need to release what is inside of us. Oh, Holy Spirit, would you create a culture of honor and appreciation in this church? Would you create a culture of honor and appreciation in our homes? God, would you create a culture of honor and appreciation in the relationships, in the friendships, in the dating relationships, God, so that people will feel seen and loved and cared for. And we'll ask this in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We hope today's message was encouraging for you. We'd also love to hear how God used this message to speak to you. We hear from people all across the country about what God is doing through our podcast, and we'd love to hear from you. You can email us at info at bridgechurchnyc.com. You can also find us on Facebook and Instagram. Our handle for both of those social media outlets is at bridgechurchnyc. Our website is bridgechurchnyc.com. If you're in the New York City area, we have services at 4 p.m. and 6 p.m. on Sundays at 98 Fifth Avenue in Brooklyn, New York, right next to the Barclay Center. We are praying for you, and we hope to see you soon.